Hey there, folks. We're kicking off today's episode with a cup of tea from the Nepal Tea Collective. Nepal Tea is a social enterprise based in New York that distributes the freshest organically grown teas to different parts of the world directly from smallholder farmers in the beautiful country of, you guessed it, Nepal. You can join us for a cup of tea and be part of the global impact they're creating by visiting nepalteacollective.com. That's nepalteacollective.com. <laughs> Yikes, my cup of tea is already getting cold. So why don't you join me and hop into today's episode? How can we tap into our unique human ability to create and add value to our life and the lives of everyone around us? Today in the boardroom, we are joined by Arman Amin, the CEO and product manager at Send More Brains Inc., an international creative design studio based in Toronto, Canada. Arman was born in Canada to two immigrant parents from Iran and grew up in both countries early on. His work today sheds light on the above question on our human ability to create. He empowers visionary teams, startups, and companies to create paradigm-shifting products and services. This has given him an incredible perspective on how remote and multicultural teams navigate innovating around niche opportunities in different geographical regions worldwide. In this episode, we unpack Armand's cultural background and how his upbringing influenced his worldview. We touch on how he has always sought inspiration from informal moments that do not feel like work. We enjoyed this conversation because it was so multifaceted, covering topics from navigating change during the COVID pandemic, the value of meditation and deep thought, how he became a vegetarian because of the relationship he built with his pet gerbil, which is native to Mongolia, <laughs> and even his passionate love for the Star Wars franchise. Armand challenges entrepreneurs, companies, and everyone in general to continuously ask themselves the question, why, when developing ideas and embracing our most unique human ability to create. This being one of the coolest conversations we've had thus far on the podcast, we hope you enjoy it as much as we did. If you do and would like to interact with Armand more, reach out to us or drop him a message on LinkedIn with any questions you may have. All right, let's hop in. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, wherever you're joining us in from. My name is Boniface Ovina, also known as the local noise maker. It is my greatest pleasure to welcome you back to the Boardroom Banta podcast. Yet again, we're here for another guest episode. Hope you guys caught up with last week's episode. We we're speaking to Mark Kleiner the program director at Dream VC about all things venture capital on the African continent. We also hopped into our Founders Friday, which is the last of two episodes that we do every single week. That goes up on Friday, a very laid back conversation between myself um, as the host, Sean as the host and, and Yuri on there. And last week, we spoke about the hard thing about doing hard things. And that was a very incredible conversation about the resilience, the tools that it takes to really, you know, roll up your sleeves and get dirty when, when it comes to some of the tough goals and tough missions that, that we choose in life and, and some of the obstacles that we go through. 
But today, today will be a very interesting time in the podcast because of the guests that we have. Hope you guys have been having a lovely month so far. I know, I know it's March and the year is already taking a toll on me. Our guest has disappeared. We haven't seen him since the last time that we were with him in, in Silicon Valley. He's laughing because you know he knows we're putting him on the spot to, <laughs> to let us know what he's been up to. But he is one of the coolest guys that we met over in, in Silicon Valley when you and I were there last summer. And as his LinkedIn suggests, his mom also thinks he's really cool. <laughs> so that's, that's something that I'm really, I'm really looking forward to, to, piecing, to piecing together, right? But without further ado, Arman Amin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Manifest. Sweet. Where are you calling in from? <laughs> Last um, actually calling other, from, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Last we saw each other, we were both in Stanford and you quickly bolted after running an amazing piece of the program with us and with your colleague, William. So talk to us about where, where you're currently calling us in from right now. Of course, of course. Uh, so that was back in around July, I believe. Uh, and then I kind of went to ghost mode for a bit. But right now I'm in Toronto. So uh, Toronto, Canada. Uh, if you're from Toronto, you don't pronounce the T, the T in the middle. So if you hear someone say it's Toronto, they're not from Toronto. That's a fun little fun fact. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, right now I'm, I'm here. I'm usually back and forth between a few places. Um, as uh, Bonifast mentioned, we uh, got to really meet in Silicon Valley, uh, hosted a bunch of brilliant people, and it was such a pleasure to talk to every single one of them. And now I'm back in Toronto. And just still kind of working uh, with the with what I'm currently doing. What's kind of great about it is I built it from even before the pandemic to be fully remote. Can I run this on a laptop and a phone and I'm set? So it just really comes down to where do I need to be to pull that kind of inspiration with what I'm working on? Not to give too much away right away, but that's sort of what I'm doing now. Lovely. Love that. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Mauritius, currently juggling my academics right now. We had this crazy submission this morning. You and I were up the whole night trying to get it done. You know, those those last minute procrastinations. But I want to do do something different with you, Armand, today. So on on our Founders Friday episodes, we usually started off with a wellness check, right? So we call it PEN, uh, physical, how you're doing physically, how you're doing emotionally, and what are your needs? And I want, to, I want to steal that and bring it on here because like that. I'm really feeling this vibe today, you know, <laughs> so let me, let me kick this off for you. Right. So physically um, I'm sleep deprived. I haven't slept too much since, since this morning. So I w- we were up the whole night and then we had two classes, one in the morning, another in the afternoon. So I was taking intermittent naps between the two classes and so yeah that's how I'm doing physically sleep deprived emotionally I'm not at a hundred percent I'm at about 70 the past the past six weeks have been up and about we spoke about this on Founders Friday with I don't I don't you can't see it from there but I'm wearing a clavicle brace so I'd, I'd fractured mm. my clavicle playing football a couple of weeks oh ago yeah so that had me in a bit of a mental mental place where you know you're not performing 
at like peak productivity and you know Yuri is asking you you know is the podcast episode ready and you have to tell him give me another day and so on and so forth but yeah slowly getting back up there and in terms of my needs uh currently getting ready to go back to Kenya next month uh, most of the summer will be dissertation work but then you know I'm also looking for collaborative projects so if there's anyone listening to this episode right now and would love to collaborate when I'm back home um, with a little more time on, on my hands given that I won't be having uh, regular classes definitely feel free to reach out all right Armand over to you how are you doing physically emotionally and what are your needs to whoever's listening before I dive in just to jump the gun a bit if you want to ever collaborate Bonifaz like meeting you meeting your team I'm always here I'm just I'm just a whatsapp message away so hey like you're Super. full of great ideas I'm here to work uh, awesome. uh, first off, I love this kind of check-in. It sort of sets the context and it kind of sets a contextual foundation for what's going on. So physically, I'm getting over a bout of COVID. So I got it for the second time. Uh, first time I got it, I was out of commission for months. I, I don't know why it hit me hard, especially. But this time it's going pretty good. Um, it got to a point where when I had it, I was even winded just to make the bed. Like I made the bed and I was out of breath. I'm like, okay, I'm I made it. Now I have to just, you know, get back in the bed and sleep for a bit. So I'm slowly getting back to normal. Uh, for some reason, long nights now. So I'm up till around 2, 3 a.m. working. And then I wake up at around 7 or 8 and it just serves out my day. So physically, you know, getting back to sort of that baseline I'm happy with. Uh, emotionally, emotionally pretty good. It's one of those things where I often like to take these sort of pauses to just be able to kind of check in my on myself you know look in the mirror how do i feel are all my needs met to you know jump ahead a bit but also just kind of see you know what are you feeling sit with yourself meditate for a bit it takes 10 minutes people it's it's pretty good to check in on yourself once in a while and uh it helps avoid burnout as well so i'm sure many of the people you've spoken to hustlers running at it working with these really big things Guaranteed burnout is something that does impact them. So a good way to avoid it is often to just sort of stop and check in on yourself emotionally. 10-minute meditation, we can dive into it later too. And then in terms of needs right now, um, it, it's kind of funny. So since I started what I do, so I, I guess I'll explain. Like Short of it, I run a creative studio in Toronto. It works with teams all over the place. Um, in terms of needs, it sort of took a little bit of a twist in 20, uh, 2023, this year, where I kind of realized that a lot of what I was doing was for the company. A lot of what I was doing was for the clients, for the projects. And in terms of needs, I was putting often the needs of myself, like my needs, uh, sort of on the wayside. You know, are you exhausted? Are you burning yourself out? That's fine. Just put it aside. And uh, I promised myself starting this year that I'm actually going to start looking into doing these checks on myself and you're really seeing what are these needs that I need to bring to myself because if you if you can't take care of yourself you can't take care of others if you can't help yourself and can't tell yourself that you're okay how do you expect to help others when they need it so yeah I guess hopefully that didn't get too deep but that's what I do thanks for the check-in <laughs> I appreciate it. No, thanks. Thanks for the vulnerability. That's what you spoke about 
being able to reflect on not just reflect but reflect and recognize when you're in that season of of understanding all right are are my needs aligning with are my needs aligning with the season that I'm in and if if so what do I need to keep doing if not what I need to just change and shift and I resonate with it because I think over over the course of my life a very short life on this earth it's it's gotten easier for me to to be able to self-reflect as I've gotten more independent as I've as I've left the household you know gone to college traveled uh, traveled a bit by myself and just spent that time with myself it's gotten a bit easier for me to recognize these seasons and furthermore just act act on these different thoughts and uh, these different thoughts that I have and and conclusions that I come to I'd love I'd love for us to build context to the work that you do today Armand by just taking a trip down memory lane into into like your childhood right there's one thing that we've come to understand with our guests. There's a large, a large manifestation of who they are today, how they show up in different spaces, how they pursue different opportunities, you know, how they build connections and relationships has a large part to do with, you know, that foundational period when, when they're growing up. Um, so for us to understand who you are today, Armand, what do we need to know about your childhood and and your upbringing and your relationship with that in that first environment that you know most most children are in which is you know their immediate household and family yeah of course no great question um let's see i'll give sort of the overall scope of what the story like what my childhood experience was and i guess i'll dive into specifics that sort of led me to where i am today uh so i was born you know Two immigrants from Iran moved to Canada during a revolution. They meet each other here at university. And, uh, you know, they decide to start a family. Traditionally with Iranians, um, you never really move out of the household until you're married. And even then, like sometimes you're still in the parents' basement and you're building something out. And it's one of those funny things where it's sort of this really close familial tie that, you know, while in Canada, although there's a lot of immigrants here, it's often not really seen as common that like families are that close, you know, the fathers, mothers, children, they're that close. They're in the same household for, you know, years at a time. It, it's sort of like a little empire. That's how I like to see it. So parents have me and my sister. Uh, we're both studying here in Canada. I was going to this school where they sort of they did one of those personality assessments. And what's kind of really funny is they never actually gave the results. They would sort of just interview the child, give them personality, like get the personality result, talk to the parents and say, okay, they excel at this. They excel at this. This is the area of focus we're going to put them in. My sister was literature, uh, literature and literacy. And it was really funny because midway through her interview, she just said, I'm done. Got up and left. <laughs> and my parents were initially worried they're saying okay like are they going to get are they going to turn us down for that and if anything they loved it even more they said okay that that kind of took some initiative she's going to excel in literacy excel in storytelling this kind of thing and then for me when i was doing the test you know this tiny kid i'm six foot four 196 seven you know i'm tall back then i was like this little runt i'm this tiny little kid just sitting there in the chair looking at them answering questions 
And then they're like, yeah, okay, you're good at math and sciences. And that sort of followed me throughout my academic career, I guess, you know, early middle school, uh, we were studying in Canada, then we moved to Iran, but we went to a French school. So it was a little bit of a weird perspective where, you know, we're in this country and it still felt like we're in this little isolated bubble where it would be, you know, on the grounds for the French school, uh, OFT, Ecole Francaise de Terran, go us. Uh, and we would, you know, you kind of got a different perspective. You had a different view of the world, different needs, different wants, different priorities. And then you kind of come back to Canada and finish up that education. You get this whole other perspective where it was kind of a culture shock because, you know, I didn't grow up there. I grew up partially in Canada, partially in Iran, back in Canada. So I didn't really have that core foundation where it said, this is where your life is. This is what your life path is. This is what you have to do. It was sort of this, you know, ability to move back and forth and realize that, you know what, end of the day, a physical space is a physical space. A country is a country. But what kind of remains constant is you. So, you know, what remained constant in that scenario was myself, was my family, was my sister, were the friends I kept in touch with. And it kind of gave this whole perspective that, you know, end of the day, you know, it's up to you. Like whatever situation in whatever area you're in, whatever you want to do, contribute to the world, it's up to you. Does it take the form of joining a company? Does it take the form of starting a company? And that kind of mentality was swimming my head through high school. Um, I got my start, I guess, like first making, you know, a living for myself was uh, through sales. So like when I was in high school, I would sell, you know, I'd get like a bunch of candies and then sell them at a different price out of my locker. I would get, you know, remember the PlayStation portables, like those handheld consoles. Uh, some friends and I found a way to modify them. So we would just modify them for people. They'd bring it, they'd give us, you know, $20, $30. We'd modify it, it takes five minutes, give it back to them. And it was kind of funny because like that kind of, like, I've always been into video gaming. Like I still kind of am when I have time. I like to just play video games. But it, it was one of those things where I felt that, you know, gaming was this great uniting force. You know, you can get friends around and play Mario Kart or Halo. You can, you know, physical games, you can go watch a sports game together, you know, cheer for different teams, but you're in that environment. So it was this unifying prospect behind it. And that fascinated me. Uh, so throughout high school, you know, I'm taking sciences, maths, going to engineering. And I did engineering. I started it. I started with the internships and I realized I'm like, if I were to do this for the rest of my life, I'd be kind of miserable. Not like, you know, my coworkers, my friends, they're enjoying it. But I was looking around saying, you know what? This stuff is interesting. Like, you know, the chipset in this phone, it's amazing. It's magic. But I'm more interested in the device itself. I'm more interested in the emotional, you know, resonance that a device has with somebody. Like, I remember I was telling my mom early on when I was having like this crisis of faith. I said, like, I don't want to design the chipset. I want to design the experience. I want to design this case i want to design the phone and i kind of led down this rabbit hole where i'm studying saying what does this lead to it's not quite engineering it's not quite design what does it fall under so i moved my credits over i got a degree in some kind of computer systems administration and then i said okay i'm going to go back to school but this time i'm going to do something that i'm really passionate about 
And it turned out it was industrial design. So it was, you know, how do you merge engineering and the manufacturing of these goods? Like every, everything around you is manufactured. How do you merge that with the emotional resonance? And I found that, you know, through university, I was doing sales. I worked at a Best Buy. Um, I'm sure you like, not, do you guys actually have Best Buys? I'm curious. We don't have Best Buys, but uh, but I, I grew up, I spent a couple of years growing up in Jersey. So I'm familiar with some of the the local um local brands. Yeah. Yeah. It's like small electronic, like not small, it's a pretty big electronic store. Um like, uh, like a bigger radio when I shack. There, a, b- a bigger radio shack. That's a good way okay. to put it. It was kind of funny though, like even working there, just the characters that you work with, the people that you're working with, like they're, they're all really interesting people and like still some lifelong friends I made there. Um, and then I went into business sales and then I went back into consumer and then I went into, you know, different companies. And what I found throughout the same was you're not really selling a product, you're selling a solution, but also an experience and then a title into the storytelling. And I, I, re, I just started putting all these together. I'm like, okay, you have the storytelling aspect, you have this design aspect, you have this manufacturing aspect. There's nothing that really kind of combines all three and takes people on for the ride. So I was initially going to work with this company, uh, I guess, fat, flash forward to today, fast forward to today, uh, 2020. I was going to go work with this company when I graduated in April. And then you know, we all know what happens <laughs> globally in 2020. Around March, we got a, you know, hey, um, something came out, maybe don't travel, whatever. And then it, it snowballed into this company actually shutting doors two weeks into the lockdowns. It was a electric skateboard company. And they were helping a lot with my thesis, which kind of sucked because I was initially like, yeah, come along, you know, we'll love to have you work with us. We'll start remotely and then we can get you here, whatever. Two weeks in, they shut down. And a lot of what I was working on my thesis was last mile vehicle. So it really involved them a lot. So when all my contacts started blipping off, I was like, okay, what do I do? And I was looking around at what was happening around the world and said, okay, there's all these people with really amazing ideas. They have really killer ideas. And right now they're in an environment where nobody really knows what's going on. And, you know, you can't really predict it. So what if I could help them take their ideas and sort of spin them into something new? You know, you have this cool technology. How do you take a step back and apply it to this bigger picture? You have this really cool process or system or product. What's next? And really asking these kinds of, you know, out of the box questions or just out of the blue questions that, you know, sometimes it trips up a team. Sometimes they kind of sit back and say, that is actually an interesting question. And they explore it further. Gets people talking, gets people exploring. And I realized just by doing that, that that I have a blast doing this. Like this is, you know, it doesn't feel like work to me. And that was one thing that I was really sort of adamant when I wanted to find what is it that I want to do. It's how do I have these experiences that don't feel like work? It feels like I'm just talking to a friend. It just happens that friend will pay me for my time. How do I help these help people? How do I help them build out these stories and be a part of that and help them grow? And that's sort of what led to what I am still doing today, where I'm just really talking to teams. It all starts with a conversation, talking to teams, exploring with teams, not being afraid to break things, and then really just taking it forward. 
No, I hope that I, answered your question. I, I really, <laughs> no, it definitely did. And you made me think back to a time like this in 2020, right? March when when all of these things with COVID were were really happening, like they were, they were in our face. We, we were now confronted with it to a point where our decisions are being affected by it, right? And I'm thinking back to the communities that I fell back to for support during this season, right? What are some, who are the people who really made me feel grounded? Who are the people who we could call each other and just vent, you know, ask each other those difficult questions and we don't even need to answer it, but just the fact that, you know, we've articulated it, you know, we've put it out there into the world. We can just sit in that moment, sit in that uncomfortability, sit in those feelings of, confusion and indecisiveness um and you know they were these were my colleagues right Yuri at the time we had just come back from the Watson Institute in Colorado we had not began working together on anything at the time he was still doing his own thing I was doing my own thing you know but we were still able to level with each other are there are there some people in your life whether it's adult mentors, peer mentors, who you can think back to, to them really providing that atmosphere for you to be able to sit together with each other? And how, how would you, that's the first question, like, you know, are there some people who you, know, you can really think back to and give a small shout out here on the podcast? But then the other question is, how did you observe how you managed that change, right? this change into that pandemic period before we even got out of it and you know things started opening up and people started figuring out all of these questions how did you observe yourself navigate this change that's an excellent question um what's really interesting about it too is a lot of where at least just answering for myself a lot of where i get inspiration from it's it's from moments like the people themselves in those moments they're inspiring they they help you know process something they help think of things in a different way but then it's really the context of the moments in which you're interacting because we're all we're all you know constantly existing you know the person you're walking that you're walking down the street you see somebody walk by they have their own thoughts feelings emotions whatever and you know if you were to stop and talk to them or if you were to bump into the mask Stanley or compliment a shirt they're wearing you you create that spark between you know, that little compliment could make their day or it could, you know, turn their frown upside down or change their mindset for the day. And like, there's a lot of power within that. And there are specific people, like just to name drop a few, and I'm going to probably plug their book here while we're at it. Um, <laughs> Bill, uh, William Cockane and Tamara Carlton, um, both the most, some of the most brilliant minds I've ever met. Um, they, they're actually one of the... Uh, one of my favorite interaction points when I first went, like when I was initially in Silicon Valley, I was studying at Stanford for a semester in 2018. And um, since then, you know, I, I took one of their classes and I was blown away. And I said, you know, how can I be a part of this? This is something bigger than myself, bigger than other people, bigger than all of us in this room. And I've been working with them, you know, on some projects here and there. And they have this, uh, just plugging the book here, Building Moonshots, 50 plus ways to turn radical ideas into reality. 
releases on May 9th, pre-orders now. Uh, <laughs> but it's a really interesting, <laughs> I'm not paid, I swear, I don't get paid for this. No, but I'm loving some of those this. Things... <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Bill. Hi, Tamara. You're probably watching this now. Um, but it's one of these things where they, they sort of presented this really optimistic look for the future. And, you know, getting that in 2018, you know, championing and running with it in 2019 and then applying it in 2020 were, was a really interesting progress or a progression for me because I got to see, you know, this big idea, big thinking, that's great. But this is the, the reality of it is, you know, we're all divided. Reality of it is we're all separated. We're in our own spaces. We have to, you know, basically slow everything down. How do you maintain that optimistic spark? How do you sort of, you know, bring that audacity to a project when, you know, people are just trying to rush it out the door? How do you bring that big mindset and bravery, determination to that project? And it's this really interesting conversation that can be had from there because, you know, no matter how dark things get, no matter how uncertain things get, there's always some positivity through it. There's a through line of positivity that can break through anything. And if it needs time to change, it needs time to change. If it needs, you know, energy put towards it, the energy can be put towards it. But it's really how do you keep that through line alive and how do you point it out to those who might not know it's there? So that that was one huge source of inspiration came from Tamara and uh, Bill, like just having that dialogue with them, having seen their projects through their eyes, seeing what we're working on together through that perspective was really helpful during those times. Uh, family, friends, obviously my girlfriend, she's sitting right here. Hey. <laughs> she's just doing her work there. Um, falling back to, not really falling back, but like knowing that that, group is there your family is there and they have you being able to just spark up a conversation with my mom who thinks i'm cool little fun thing with that was um i put that on one of my applications in university because i said you know what they're probably not reading this i throw it in and then i <laughs> i get a conversation like i get into the program and i'm working and the program coordinator is going around he's like you're armon right and he's like yeah He's like, your mom thinks you're cool, right? And I laughed. I'm like, oh, you actually read that. And then we're just going back and forth. And then I'm just like, you know, I'm going to just throw it in now. Like if I'm applying to a job, I'll throw that into my, you know, cover letter. If I'm on LinkedIn, I'll throw it in. And it was just, I don't know, like end of the day, dude, I love my mom. She's cool. She thinks I'm cool. We're good, right? Like you got to build off that energy. And uh, it goes without saying. Sorry, Armand. It goes without saying. <laughs> no, no. Today is it. Uh, today is International Women's Day, right? As we record, it this. is International Women's Day. So shout out, shout out to the the women you've name dropped: your girlfriend and your mom. <laughs> and go shout ahead, out to the women you. of Iran. I'm throwing that in there too. Shout out there to the women go. of Iran leading a revolution. You know, mm. can I swear on this podcast? I don't know if I yes, can. Yes, you can. Go ahead. Okay, you know, <laughs> <laughs> my girlfriend's losing her mind for the laughing. <laughs> you know, fuck the patriarchy. Fuck you know the people who are taking over women women are leading the way and they're going to absolutely own this they they own this generation i'm 100% for this and this is going to come to you know sound really weird but one of my biggest i guess sources of inspiration as well is a pet that i got right before the pandemic so i um uh, talk to us about that of course, this is, I sound insane right now and I love this. I hope everyone listening <laughs> thinks I'm absolutely crazy because 
honestly, it's craziness that kind of leads to the conversation. It's this crazy kind of thinking that gets people talking. Um, so during the pandemic, not during the pandemic, during my thesis, um, calls for long nights, calls for staying up late, that kind of thing. And I remember throughout university, I had these uh, pet uh, fighting fish. So like there are these little fish, you have to keep them on their own or else they fight each other. And you just have this one fish and you interact with it, you feed it, you know, take care of it. It recognizes your name, it recognizes you. It's kind of interesting, it has patterns. Animals are bloody smart, man. And I walk into the pet store, I'm like, you know, I'm gonna buy one of these things, I'm gonna keep it, I'm gonna take care of it. So I walk in and I look and there's these rows of cages and it just keeps going down. So I'm just like, it's kind of weird. So I go talk to one of the employees. I'm like, why are there a bunch of cages? He's like, oh, those are, uh, nobody really wants to adopt our gerbils for some reason. So we just have all of them for free adoption. You know, we'll give you the home. We'll give you the pet food, all that stuff. So I'm like, okay, cool. So, and I'm looking through. Wait, you said gerbils? Gerbil, yeah. Okay. G-E-R-B-I-L. It's like uh, basically a desert rat. It's like, a, it's these little, they're native to Mongolia. Like I know so much about gerbils from owning this little guy. But what happened was I go through and I'm looking at them and I see this one cage and it just has one in them. And all I knew about gerbils was they come in pairs. So I'm like, why, where's this guy spread? Why is he by himself? And the pet store owner is like, oh, well, this one's kind of an asshole. So we had to keep him by himself. Cause he... <laughs> so I'm looking, I'm like, all right, word, I'll, I'll take this one. Like, I love him. Got a little diamond pattern on his head. It was cute. And having owned this pet and like, you know, taking care of it, petting it. And then, you know, he'll do something. Like I'm petting him, he winks. I'm like, okay, why is he winking at me? I go look and it's like, oh, they wink when it's like, you know, form of camaraderie or like they're saying that they're okay. And I'm just like, I'm researching this little rat that's living in my, like what's going on here? And it kind of got me thinking, I'm like, I'm putting so much effort and thought just because I got to know this thing. And it actually made me into a vegetarian. So I tried, I was like, you know, I'll try for a week. I'll see what happens for a week. Week turns into a month, month turns into a year, a year turns into three years. It's been three years since last month that I've just been a vegetarian because I just was talking to this little animal. I'd be working and then it's like 2 a.m. Who am I going to talk to? So I'm picking it up and I'm just like explaining what I'm working on to him. And he's just sitting there buzzing and winking. I'm like, why is he buzzing? Oh, that's how they purr. Oh my God, like he's resonating with this. What the hell? There's something. You're communicating right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I have no idea what it's saying. It has no idea what I'm like. We we don't know what we're saying, but we're kind of just experiencing this shared environment. And it kind of got me thinking like, you know, wow, we should really treat animals better. So I just stopped eating meat. And yeah, like it's been a bigger impact than I thought. Like it made me realize like, you know, animals are, you know, like they're sentient. They have a mind, they have ideas, they get scared, they get happy, like they have emotions. Yeah. And it just kind of got me thinking about that. And I mean, it's weird. Like I went from, you know, like professors to family, girlfriend, and then a gerbil. But like, you know what? Like that's what happens. That was a really. That's what happens when you hop into the boardroom banter podcast, Armand. And (laughs) it's just a banter, isn't it? And you're, you're reminding me of the first exercise that you took us through at Stanford, which was. You know, we had an entire court of about, what, like 25, 25, something like that, like 25 yeah. of us, right? We're all standing outside um, Lucy Stern Hall, and you you guys make us walk with each other 
in groups, right? To like like a 30 minute, 30, 45 minute walk, <laughs> complete silence, right? We're not allowed to talk to each other. If we're trying to navigate, we can only like gesture to one another, point out buildings, but we're not allowed to talk. Uh, rest assured, Armand, we, me and my group and I, we can proudly say that we did not talk the whole way. <laughs> and it was just to get us to reflect, to get us to listen to our environment. And in other words, meditate, right? And you, you, you began the podcast by mentioning meditation. And I'd love to understand your relationship with meditation. What has it done for you? And is it something that you'd recommend or you usually recommend to the teams that you work with, right? This, this type of exercise, whether it's individual meditation or, all right, team, let's spend the next 30 minutes in silence, just reflecting on this or, or a similar exercise of let's do this activity in complete silence together as we meditate. It's, I mean, you, you got it. You got the whole purpose of this experience. You understood it like a hundred percent. I'm glad you and your team took full advantage of it. Cause it's, it's one of those things where you, you just kind of, if you just walk and observe, like we often go in and I was telling some of your peers, this as well. I said, like, when you go into a social event, don't go in saying, I only want to talk to the CEOs or like, there's three people here. I want to talk to the CTO, go in talk to the wait staff, talk to the person who's serving the drinks, talk to the person who, you know, looks super uncomfortable and shy in the corner, talk to everybody you can and sort of be that open mind that everybody wishes they had there to talk to. Be like, be somebody who can just observe, you know, without ego, without any kind of predetermination and just say, I'm going to go and just walk. I'm going to go and experience this. Not going with any kind of specific mindset previously implanted but i'll just go with an open mind stanford i mean you saw it yourself it's such a beautiful campus it's a huge campus i think it's like the second largest in the world huge campus and there's so many little interesting things that you can just notice and pick up and like that was even my first time there like some of my favorite moments were just going for a run in the morning or going for a walk with some friends and just looking at things encountering oh there's a sculpture garden let's go check it out you know oh there's Let's walk by and just see the animals kind of coexisting. It's a very interesting perspective on it. And it's it's one of these things I really, I don't hammer it home with teams, but I really like champion with teams where it's like, look, end of the day, you know, you're working hard on this project. You're working to meet deadlines. That's great. Take that time to kind of step back, reflect, step back, think about what you're doing now, what your actions today and how they're echoing in tomorrow. I mean, one of my favorite things to think about, um, I think it was a meme I saw somewhere. They're saying that, you know, these movies, you know, they go back in time and they say, okay, you have to be really careful because everything you're doing is impacting the future. You know, if you stepped on a bug, then, you know, I don't know, like this, this airplane is going to crash or something. I don't know. Right. But they say like every single thing you're doing in the present is going to impact our future that we have to get back to. And then right now we're living in that past. Like we're living in that past experience. Every single thing, every thought you're having, every, you know, decision you're making has a direct correlation to that future. And we, we often don't really see it because we're so busy or preoccupied doing what we're actually doing, the task at hand, whatever it is. But being able to kind of put your head up, take a step back and saying, wow, it's part of this bigger narrative. It's part of this huge human experience. It really puts things in perspective and it really lets you see that there is more to this than just 
what you're doing. There's more to this device than just the touch screen or the camera. There's more to anything around you. You can deep dive as deep as you need to go with anything. And just being able to identify that, it's 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 hard. Like it's difficult, but it's something that can be taught to everybody. I, I personally feel everybody can learn that kind of power. Yeah. Yeah. I'd wanted to pick your brain on some of the different cultures that you interact with, right? You you were back on Instagram a week ago speaking about uh, the book, right? That you've mentioned. And you also mm-hmm. spoke about, you know, the work that you were doing, working with people from across Africa, Australia, and Europe, right? All of these different cultures. And from what you just said, right? This ability to take a step back, look up, be more conscious and self-aware of, of how our actions, how our engagements with each other are just fundamental to who we are, our relationships with one another, as well as the work that we do. Are there some similarities or differences across these different cultures that you've interacted with that you've you've noticed stand out in terms of not just from an entrepreneurial standpoint of how people come up with ideas or ideas to conceptualize their startups, but also just the general way of life? Definitely. Oh, one small correction. Uh, you you mentioned Instagram. I'm actually off uh, any meta product now. I'm LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Uh, oh, snap. Yeah, yeah. No, no worries. No worries. No worries. Wait, no worries. wait why? It, why are you off They all meta? sound the same. In the, oh, meta stuff? Okay. Um, it's, it's a long story. I don't know if you want to hear the whole story, but okay. it, it kind of started in 2019 and then led to today. Um, I, I was invited to this uh, this F8. So face uh, when they were called Facebook, they were called yeah you know, facebook so like their meeting was f8 and the idea was you know it's like apple worldwide developer conference it's one of these events where you kind of go learn about what they're working on see what they're working on meet some devs answer some questions whatever it might be so i, I was fortunate enough to be invited back to that in 2019 and i kind of got to experience this whole side of facebook that i never even knew existed where like you know you're walking in it's like this huge event and people from all over the world and you're just talking to these really interesting people you know it's a small dev team it's it's a person who writes for a blog and you know i don't even remember where they were like like portland oregon and like there's just all over the place right like you'll never get so many different cultures different people into a room around one concept of like facebook so we go there and i'm blown away with all this technology because like i'm seeing what they're working on in ai and you know things they still haven't even released yet and i'm like oh my god like this is insane Nowadays, it's kind of normal with Bing, with ChatGPT. Um, but it was this really interesting um, sort of group of just everybody in there talking. And it's people from all over the world. And like, I- I'm used to the idea of super diverse teams because like, I used to live in Iran. And when I was going to that school, it was a French school. So they'd have a bunch of diplomat kids there. You know, they're the kids from Senegal. They're the kids from France. They're the kids from... United Arab, United Arab Emirates, like everywhere, kid from China, kid from Japan, like you'd have all these different people just working on projects, working in classwork, working in this kind of mentality. And you, you just have different perspectives, different viewpoints, and you can kind of see different ways of thinking, you know, like one person might have a different priority from another, or one person might have a different perspective or a different experience. And what's amazing is all of them are equally valid because that experience happened to the person. You know, they were 
they may look at it and say, okay, but we have limited band. Like, and this is something I see with teams today, you know, building an online platform, building a tech first platform. That's great. But we have rolling blackouts here. That's great. But data charges are super expensive here. Like even in Canada, data is expensive. And these different, like, you know, that's in the context of tech, but in the context of humanity, context of, you know, interface design, context of human interface design, there's all these different aspects. I just went off a tangent from the Facebook thing, but um, with the Facebook thing, uh, one of the biggest takeaways from there was, you know, the platform that they have, it, it doesn't really connect people. Like I walked in day one, I walk in, you know, there's the big signs and badging and all that stuff and I go in and it felt like it was like a high school dance. Like everyone was just lining the corner, looking down at their phones, ignoring everybody else. And I'm just like, I walk in, like I'm very social. I go left to talk to people. And I'm just looking around saying, like, what's like, what the hell's going on? Like, why is nobody talking to each other? So I go, if I spark up a conversation with somebody, I, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, cool, thanks. And then go back to their phone. And I'm just like, the whole purpose of this is to connect people. Like, what the, <laughs> what's going on? So thankfully, I was able to just, by going and talking to people, I was able to make, get like a small posse together and we're just going around checking out the boots. But I, I realized I'm like, you know, the, the internet is, it's insane. Like, like it's magic at this point. Like I, I'm not even in the same room as you and I'm in a different time zone, different continent, but it still feels like we're just sitting across from each other. But in reality, I'm just staring at this slab and just talking, you know, like when, when you like take it, like in my gerbils over there, if he's looking at me, he's just looking at me at me, looking at a wall and talking. doesn't really make sense. And like in that context, you're just like, huh, interesting. But it was lacking that human element like meta as much as they're about connecting in the metaverse it lacked that human element and it's about gaming and algorithm and then it got to that point where i said said like you know you're not posting on instagram because you want to share something that you've done you're posting on it to amplify your channel or amplify the tags and like it's it's a game it's not necessarily social interaction so just as like a sign of you know resistance i guess you could say just you know, sort of like putting a stand to it i'm just i'm not using their platforms yeah. they're there but i don't use them what i love about this conversation Armand, as much as it can seem <laughs> like we're all over the place <laughs> exactly but what you said before you finished that clarification on on that event you mentioned that you're you're observing all of these different technologies and advancement that are being developed right and you did a comparison of you know how data charge charges would be very expensive in one place. For example, here in Mauritius, data is very is very cheap, like cheaper than it is back home in Kenya, for example. And and so, for example, when people in in Mauritius are designing solutions, right, whether it's financial or tech, those are like the two big industries around here: fintech, um, fintech, as well as you know financial technology and stuff like that. And so when people are designing solutions, data isn't a problem, right? And so you don't really factor that in as a potential barrier to whatever you're trying to do. When you go back home, uh, you you also mentioned like something like blackouts. Kenya has been having crazy blackouts the past week. We I work with some people in South Africa, right? And we struggle with, you know, the load shedding where at a certain, between certain periods of time, the government turns off electricity in a certain grid and you're locked out. 
we had a we're supposed to have a guest two weeks back she couldn't join because of load shedding for example and so this goes back to the initial question that I asked you of how you observe different teams maneuver some of their their unique contexts right and I'd love for you to just finish off that thought by speaking about how when you're interacting with them and observing all of these different nuances are there certain key characteristics in the successful entrepreneurs that you can shine a light on and just to encourage any any entrepreneurs who are listening to this and are coming from these different contexts that we just mentioned of course of course um by the way, like I, I love to rant a lot, and I will not take it personally if you say Armand, shut the hell up. No, I love it. <laughs> You're That's good. Great. I promise. Shut you. up. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. Definitely. So one of the, I, I what I love about working with these teams is when I'm first talking to them, like, and especially like this is something I've noticed a lot with um more, most recently, I'm working with a team in Sweden and one in Switzerland, and the team themselves told me this, they're like, you know, the way that we're working, we don't want to step on a lot of toes. We don't want to, you know, upset the wrong people. We don't want to, you know, kind of, and they're, they're very cautious about kind of thinking big or thinking of these big, crazy ideas sometimes because they feel that they may be, you know, disrupting an industry. They're saying, well, we, we don't want to piss them off. We don't get them angry. So, I mean, one of the, you know, age old, uh, slogans in Silicon Valley is, you know, move fast, break things, you know, Uber comes out and it completely rug pulls the taxi cab industry. And, you know, they continue, um, uh, Tamara and Bill, they have a really nice spin on it where they say, move facts, move fast, fix things where, you know, don't be afraid to have these big conversations, but know that you're fixing the underlying problem. You're fixing a solution. So when I'm working with a team and they're saying, you know, it's going to be on the blockchain and it's going to, you know, and we have a metaverse to it and we're going to have this, I, I kind of stop them and I say, that's great. Why? And it's a simple question, just asking why. And I, I found often with the teams I'm working with that have the most success, they're the ones that aren't afraid to ask why. They're not afraid to look at the core of the ritual or the interaction that they have with the product and say, why are we doing this? What, what are some natural analogies that we can tie this to? You know, like for example, this, I'm speaking to you, you're probably like two inch by one inch high. I know I've met you in person. You're not that tall. <laughs> you're a lot taller, um, but you're this little box and you're floating. And end of the day, you know, we're humans. We, we're brain, our brains are hardwired to detect and interpret symbols and what we see. And I, I sort of address this with the team. I'll, they'll look at a current product and say, okay, now tie this back to humanity. What, what is the closest human analogy to that? This is, I am looking at a magic portal that's opened up this vision that I can see you and then you can see me and you can hear me and I can control my voice and what I hear or what you can see. You know, I can go click this button and now I'm just a little icon with a face. I can click this button, now I'm, you know, a little compressed image of Arma. And just sort of looking into the context of what these teams are working with it helps have these dialogues. So like, to answer your question, you know, like, what are the successful teams doing and what can help anyone listening to this podcast? It, it's really, it's about looking at things and sort of just asking questions, you know, pit, poke holes in it, turn it upside down and see how it works, you know, pour a glass of water on it, see if it will get destroyed kind of thing. 
don't be afraid, especially with ideas, to take them and twist them and go off the beaten path because you know you can just return back to the previous version that you saved. You know, like don't be afraid to treat it as something that can be malleable. Uh, one one thing I work with one one thing one question I ask teams often when I'm working with them I say, you know, it's a physical act activity. Look around your house, get up and walk around, find the oldest piece of technology you have. And they say, okay, I will, I'll, you know, go. And I found like this old flip phone. And I'm like, okay, what are your thoughts on it now? And they say, okay, well, you know, it's right now it's archaic. It's like, it has a squeaky hinge and the screen is like, you know, 300 pixels by like 100. It's tiny. It, like, it's T9. I have to push this button three times to get a letter. What the hell? And I say, that's great. This is your perspective now. Go back 20 years. What are your thoughts on that? Go back 50 years, go back a hundred years, get into a time machine. Yeah, no, yeah. get into a time machine, go back 500 years and show it to the first person that you see. They're going to think you're a wizard. They're going to think you're a warlock. They're going to say, what am I looking at? I can't comprehend this. It probably won't work because there's no antennas or satellites, but like you, you have this human made manufactured device that's completely alien. And, you know, it's just by time of 50 years, I still rock an iPhone 10. If I had to go back when the first iPhone launched, people would look at that like it's alien tech. How is there no home button? Wait, wait, where it's reading your face? How is it like, there's a lot of these interesting things that we now just kind of wireless, wireless charging. What? Yeah. <laughs> How? <laughs> right? Like it, it, it blows people's minds. And now it's just so commonplace. Oh, it doesn't have wireless charging, forget it. One of my favorite stories of working at Best Buy was, this was when Wi-Fi was just becoming more relevant or prevalent rather. And this guy comes up to me, he's like, does this have the Wi-Fi's? And I, I didn't know what he was talking about. I'm like, which? And then he's like, the Wi-Fi's. I thought he was talking about a chipset. I'm like, no, it's Intel. I don't know. And he's like, oh, Wi-Fi, W-I-F-I. Interesting. And, and I'm just like, this guy knows what Wi-Fi is. He, he read it, which is probably why he mispronounced it, which by the way, side note for anyone listening, if somebody mispronounces a word, awesome. They learned it by reading it. Okay, that's cool. So let them mispronounce it. Honestly, fuck, just like own it. It's amazing. And just having dialogue, like I'm focusing on tech now because I feel like this has more of a text in, but you can apply this to every aspect of humanity, any anything around you. And it, it's just one of these really enlightening conversations you can have with teams. Half the time when I'm not, doing the physical work for teams, like when I'm not, you know, building the assets or, you know, designing the website or do, doing anything like this, I'm just having conversations with them. This one team in Sweden, like I, I, they're reinventing the way people look at jobs. And, you know, like, oh, we're, we're the company reinventing that. These guys, like, these guys are actually doing it, which is really cool. And I'm talking to them. I'm saying, you know, like when it comes to the interface, they said to me, they're like, oh, this feels really old and blocky. I'm like, what would you do to it? Oh, well, we, we'd add colors and transparencies and animations. I'm like, that, that's great. Like, looks cool. That's nice. You'll get a design award for it. That's sweet. But why? And then they kind of stop and say, wait, you're, you're actually right. So then we'd find like a, an analogy of today and, you know, something that works with us today. And now they excitedly got up and like, were sending me pictures of them at the whiteboard and collaborating. And I'm like, that's another hint that the team has got it. They're not afraid to get up and have a conversation. And everybody gets a marker. Whenever you're at a whiteboard, everybody gets a marker because you've got to be able to have equal voice for everybody there. 
everybody's sketching, everybody's drawing. And you get to build these really amazing things together. As it, it, the most successful teams are the ones that aren't afraid to talk out loud to each other. Armand, Armand, I hope I that answered your question. <laughs> Bro, you, you did it, man. I see why your mom <laughs> thinks you're cool just from this conversation. And I think I'm, I'm leaving here with a deep appreciation of our ability to create and more so our ability, our ability to create together, right? The analogy you gave about the phone and all of the ideas that you've spoken about, it may have one person may have it in their head, but you know, they didn't do it by themselves. They had to communicate to their team, right? And build that team, right? And all of the challenges that come with building teams and and most of diverse teams, whether it's cognitive diversity or or other aspects of diversity, I think I'm really appreciating what you get these teams to think about and talk about. And that's that's one thing I'm leaving this conversation with, Armand. As we come to the end of this, right, we have our last segment that we do. This has been super fun, by the way. Um, in our last segment, we, we, we call it the elevator segment. And when we do the post-production, I'll put like an elevator sound effect <laughs> right, I before I, right before I ask you the first question. But instead of a classic boardroom or elevator, someone comes and stops you scenario. Picture this, right? You've gone to buy a second gerbil. <laughs> <laughs> and go in, you pick out another one that is a lot less of an asshole than the, than the first one. And <laughs> I love him. He's not an asshole. He's the sweetest little bastard I've ever met. I love him. <laughs> and you grab you grab a pair because your first gerbil needs a buddy, right? So you go and grab a buddy for them. And as soon as you walk out the store, you know, a very young, young gerbil enthusiast stops you <laughs> and has a couple of questions to ask you, Armand. Let me know if you're ready for this. Far away. <laughs> Cue elevator sound. Ding. <laughs> cool. Uh, Arvan, my first question, what's a life lesson that you feel you learned the hard way? Damn, that's a <laughs> really good question. <laughs> life lesson I've learned the hard way. Okay, I'll, I'll give you one. Um, so this was actually before I went to Stanford. It was kind of interesting. Um, when I was studying football, I, I, this is an elevator. If this is an elevator speech where it's like a one minute, I'm probably going to go way over it, but, uh, <laughs> it's me. Um, one thing I learned really interestingly enough was, uh, I was working at a company, not going to name the name. And this was before I went to Stanford. And it was one of these conversations I had with the managers, there, higher ups, there, people who, you know, were supervisors, everything like this. And I said, you know, I have this opportunity and I don't know if I should go for it. And a lot of the higher ups, what I was hearing were, you know, oh, you should forget it. It's fine. You just keep working here. It's okay. Yeah, it's a cute opportunity, but do you know where it's going to head? Do you know where it's going to take you? This is at least sturdy. And I spoke to one of the senior people at that company and I was talking to them. And he's been there for, I think, over 10 years. And he was saying, this place is a velvet noose. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he said, well... Uh, the place is great. It's comfortable. You're going to love it. You're getting great benefits. You're getting all these things. And then you blink and it's 10 years later. 
and you're still at the same place, maybe a different position, but you're still at the same place. And he left me with that. Like he, he didn't tell me, you know, what kind of, actually, you know what you're saying? Like, what's a lesson that I learned the hard way? This is actually a good lesson. <laughs> I have a better one for that, but now let's run with we, we can edit this I like out this. if you want. Yeah. No, yeah. well, I'll tell you this one. So I'm talking <laughs> to the guy and I said, interesting. So after I had that conversation, I wrote my resignation two weeks and I just said, here's my two weeks. Thank you for all the opportunities. I, I have to chase after this. And it ended up being one of the best decisions I ever made. Like I met so many amazing people. I got to work with so many amazing teams since then. And I, I've gone back and they're still there and I visited them and chatted with them. And he's just like, good. Like, I'm glad you took that step. I'm glad you took that leap. Uh, I guess one where I learned the hard way was um, sort of to never expect anything. I, I feel like I shared it a little bit. I, I was going to go work with that electric skateboard company, but I'll, I'll give you the perspective for it. So like, I, I was basically putting myself in the position that I have this job set up. You know, They liked what I was doing. They're ready to work with me. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to get my degree, and then I'm going to you know apply through the proper channel. I, there's a whole process where I'm going to go work in the States from Canada. Like you need a certain kind of degree, you need a certain kind of visa that you apply to at the airport. It's, it's, it's insane. So I was ready to go and ready to run with it. And right when I was about to do it, like, oh, they shut down. I read it in the news before the person like even told me. They're just like, yeah, we actually shut down. And I'm like, interesting, it's two weeks in. What the hell am I going to do? What, what's the industry look like? I'm graduating into this pandemic. I'm graduating to a space where I can't even be in the same room with somebody. What am I going to do? So like, I kind of learned not in a way not to put all your eggs in one basket because like, I was gung-ho ready to go work with these people. Ultimately got swept in moments. And, you know, end of the day, it's okay. Like I, me, I'm the kind of person, like if something bad happens, I'll see it as a life lesson and grow from it. Right. Like I, I find it fun when bad things happen to me because it kind of get, lets you appreciate the good. I, I have this, I don't have it on, but there's a ring. My mom's a jeweler. I, I think she's super cool. She's a jeweler. She made me this ring. It says, This too shall pass in Farsi, even these books, but it says, This too shall pass. And it's this really nice mantra that I sort of adopted because, you know, you could be having the greatest moments. You're on top of the world. You have a successful company. You're killing it. You're crushing your competition understand that 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 will pass as well you're having the worst possible time worst luck you're you're miserable you hate your job you, you hate the people you work with that will pass too and oftentimes if you hate the people you work with you haven't gotten to know them enough or you haven't gotten to know them in a different way um but it, it's really just understanding that no matter what shitty situation you might be in no matter how much hardship you have that it's going to be okay because you've recognized that you're not happy with what's going on. I guess that's it does not answer your elevator question at all. And now the elevator is probably stuck somewhere and it's not even open. But <laughs> <laughs> and this kid's saying, okay, that's great. I was gonna ask about the journal next. But um, it's one of these things. I, I don't know. At the end of the day, like you can edit this down or anything like that, but it, it's just, you know, this too shall pass. No, no matter how shitty things feel it will get yeah. better no matter how great things are be prepared for things to change that's the best advice i can give i saw i saw that line this too shall pass all over your website and i'm happy you brought it up because i 
I couldn't find a way of asking you like what it means. I probably like would have slipped it in in our debrief after this. But <laughs> it reminds me. I love I love the philosophy behind it, and it reminds me of a tattoo that I got in the beginning of February, right? And it says "Life changes," and it was just like the same premise of when you understand that everything is temporary, the good and the bad, you just appreciate it a lot more and you live in the moment. And yeah, see, I'm on, I just knew, I just like our vibe, bro. It, it's, um, it's funny because that <laughs> mantra actually ruins it, ruins things too. Now you can't watch a bad movie and say, oh my God, that's the worst movie ever. You'll watch it and say, it sucked, but it was hilarious. And because it was that best. bad, like it, it, it will ruin you. Like that, that phrase ruins you in the best possible way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Arman, next question. I got two more, yeah. If they were making a movie about your 18-year-old self, who would you want to play the 18-year-old Arman? Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, a cool, that's a cool question, right? That's a really cool question. I'm trying to think. 18-year-old Arman. Yeah, okay, let, give me one sec. Um, Go ahead. I'm trying to find the actor's name um okay do you watch the mandalorian or have you heard of the show the mandalorian i've, I've heard about star wars it's a star wars it's show star wars. Yeah. so yeah there's this one actor in it and this is kind of me bringing in some social commentary too his name is dr pershing which is kind of funny because he's the only persian guy in the show so they call him pershing which okay interesting guys but it's this actor whose name is not popping up right now. Why can't I find it? <laughs> anyway, it's this actor. I'm going to find the name. Um, Omid Aptahi. Omid Aptahi. He plays this character so well. Because in Persian culture, there's only really three professions you can have. You're an engineer. You're actually four. Engineer, doctor, lawyer, or disappointment. So those are the four things that you can have in your in a traditional Iranian household. I, I'm, my sister and I are neither, which is hilarious. But it's this actor, and he plays this character who he really cares. But, like, at this point, he's very timid because, like, he's in this environment that he's really not getting. And he's kind of like, look, I need to, like, not to give anything away. He wants to save the little baby Yoda guy. And he's the only one who actually gives a crap about it. And he's like, yeah, like I'm, I'm just here putting my whole heart into this, putting my whole soul into this, and I want to do that. And he plays that so well. And I'm like, you know what? Looking at, even looking at this guy, like Iranian features aside, I can see him playing a younger Armand. Because like when I was growing up, like 18, 19, I was kind of like, you know, in my own little thing, trying to figure out who I am myself. And I'm like, this guy kind of captures it pretty well. If I were to go full blown ego, I'd say, I don't know, Ryan Reynolds, because he's Canadian, but like, <laughs> the guy's good looking too. I'll give him that. Mm. But um, I'd say, yeah, Omid Abtahi, like this this guy, like he's, look him up. He's really cool. Like as a character, he's a will. lot of fun. Yeah. You, <laughs> you may have finally been the one person who who get me to start watching Star Wars. So we'll it's see. Interesting. We'll see. <laughs> what, what's gotcha. holding you back what's holding you back from checking it out i'm curious like it's it's i feel like it's been so overhyped it's like this whole franchise world and i feel like it'll be it'll be a lot of work to get in 
and I feel like I have to start from the first movie up until the last, and then oh, now I'm finally accepted into the Star Wars world. Um, but yeah, I'll I might just start with that one and then work my way around it. I'll I'll give you a little bit of a primer, so you might be able to mm-hmm. appreciate it going in more. So. I think he was like 33 years old at the time. It's this director, this kind of awkward, shy guy, you know, he has scruffy hair and scruffy beard, George Lucas. It's this guy about 33 years old. And he grew up watching, you know, Flash Gordon. He grew up watching samurai movies, grew up watching all these really interesting movies. And he said, you know, what if, and this is one of my favorite sentences ever, like what if, like that, the power of that opening question is just, I, I, that's a whole other podcast on its own. Why, what if it's so powerful? But he said, what if I can capture the hero's journey? I can capture old Kurosawa films, old Flash Gordon serials. What if I can capture all these really amazing stories about these huge legacies and apply it to my own universe and make my own thing? And I'm going to talk to the Jim Henson workshop and get some of the best puppet designs ever so that these creatures feel real. I'm going to get like these professional actors and i'm gonna have them play essentially a space wizard and have them say a bunch of weird stuff i'm gonna have this big guy in a menacing suit and standing over overarching story so he goes in saying what if i could just do this go into the first movie uh which is now episode four a new hope back when it came out i think it was just called star wars because nobody knew there's gonna be another episode watch the first one if you watch it on Disney Plus, they've made some tweaks. I'm not going to say how, but if you can find a copy that doesn't have the tweaks, go in and watch it and just kind of observe it as, you know, it's this young director who's has this really cool idea and he wants to bring all these really interesting things in. Watch it and then fall down the rabbit hole and read about the inspirations behind it. Read about what inspired the creature design. Read inside what inspired the story. The two um, characters who are consistent throughout the entire saga are two androids, R2D2, C3PO. They're the they're the ones who tie the whole thing together, and they're they're just these two androids. And it's like you know, just seeing like this whole overarching story. When you watch the first movie under that lens, you can then take a step back and watch the second, or uh, watch part five, watch part six. And then go back and watch part one, two, three, knowing in the context that 20 years later, like, oh, my God, a whole 20 years, a whole new generation of people coming out. George Lucas is like, oh, I still have some ideas I I wanted to explore earlier. And when they first came out, people were trashing them. They're like, oh, my God, these are the worst movies. Jar Jar's an asshole. I hate this thing. And then it grew this whole new appreciation because people are like, oh, my God, he's telling this, not to give anything away, this whole overarching story about, you know, this utopia and like these people who worked on this council and they had the best intentions in mind and then evil and negativity just slightly injected into it and it poisoned the whole well. And this is what built up to what we initially saw. And then you can watch the other three, which, you know, hit and miss. I'm not going to say, oh, this one's great. This one's horrible. Go in and watch them, but understand this is for a newer audience. This is for people who wanted to embrace the old ones. And then that's when it kind of gets a little bit too inside baseball where it says like, Oh, this is that character who was in the background of this scene. Of the... By then, you're already a fan and you're already watching this thing. So what's cool about the shows is it's kind of a continuation of that. Like if, if you watch uh, Mandalorian, it, it's a Western. You know, it's the mysterious stranger who shows up into town 
and he's the bounty hunter and he's here to, you know, just do his job and whatever. And then it all gets sidetracked. And I'm not going to give away why and what happens, but the whole thing gets sidetracked. And then you're just following this guy's story. So there's a lot of really, like, if you go in watching it, you know, this is a Star Wars film. But if you watch it as this is a story, it turns it completely different. It's really interesting. I say give it a shot. That was an impressive, impressive pitch right there, Arman. I'm not I'm paid so, by Disney, I swear. I'm so, <laughs> no, I'm definitely so that, that that's a really awesome way to to wrap up this conversation. I think if if anyone has listened up until now, they have <laughs> greatly entertained and informed as well. And that is that is what leaving every conversation with you, Armand, feels like. Because the same, the same thought process that you you explain taking teams through is what you took us through in Silicon Valley and a lot of those aspects of asking questions are what you and I use today for the podcast and for some of our other projects so shout out to you Armand shout out to the work that you do if there's any way that we can support you here on the podcast any um, communities you want to plug into any services or products you'd, you'd love for our audience to learn more about any programs we're definitely here to not to support you in any which way. Thank you. Yeah, I don't, I don't have like a website or anything, or I, I don't have a book coming out for myself. I, I like to plug friends stuff. <laughs> but um, if you if you want to find me, honestly, the best place to find me is LinkedIn. Just R1, I mean, uh, one word. It's a photo, yeah. guy with big beard, long hair. It's me. There we um, go. I love to connect. See the photo like, I, I just love talking to people. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that one was where um, my like I mentioned my mom's a jeweler. She's actually a goldsmith, so like she she makes and does all the stuff herself. I'm actually advertising a collection that we have. I'm wearing the earring now for it. You can't oh. really see it, but um, yeah, like that's just like this one model photo, and I'm like, oh wow, I look kind of interesting in that. So put that every- model photo up. <laughs> that's I like, LinkedIn. Why not? <laughs> I like the one that's that's on your website, and I'll put I'll put the link here just for guys to go and see how confused they'll get after reading the, the first page because then they <laughs> wouldn't even want to know you anymore right and i would get into more context on that i'll put the link guys in the show notes check it out and be blown away by the concept of Armand's website as we hope you've been blown away by this entire episode check out more from us this coming week on founders friday we'll be unpacking a lot of the lessons that you know Armand and i have have touched on as well as our experiences with Yuri and Sean. And as usual, do share this episode with anyone who you feel like would benefit from this and find value in Armand's story. And I hope you will also have a chance to internalize it and personalize it for yourself as well. Until next time, I was your local noisemaker Bond for Sumina, joined by Armand Amin from Toronto, Canada. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>